And I want to add the closed captions. I'm going to put them up in English. There we go. All right. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that, wait, 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 I wrote it down. I have a new mission statement just approved by the board. All right. You ready? Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting individuals living with herpes using holistic approaches. We focus on navigating the complexities of stigma and relationships associated with the virus. Our mission is to provide stigma-free communication skills and other resources to sexual health service providers, including therapists, nurses, sex educators, and public health professionals. We advocate for the integration of the experiences of those living with herpes into broader sex education education and STD prevention efforts, ensuring a comprehensive and empathetic approach to sexual health and wellness. Ooh, that was professional. That was Ooh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I had to update the bylaws for uh, 501c3 compliance. One of our board members moved, I had to update the address, and then I also had to uh, make the mission statement aligned with what we're actually doing, because before when I began the nonprofit, uh, I was raising money to pay for people to get therapy. And so over time we evolved and that wasn't really working out. Um, mm -hmm. But since integrating more yoga and research into the something positive for positive people platform, uh, we're taking those lived experiences of people we talk to and integrating that into a greater quality of healthcare. Um, so which kind of segues into how you and I connected. Mm -hmm. uh, you reached out to me through that form that I made uh, that shared the, uh, I don't know why, but I had the captions in Arabic. Okay, let's try this again. There we go. Um, <laughs> you reached out to me through that form where um, there's a tab on the website. If you haven't been to the website, it's www.spfpp.org. Uh, look around on there. It's been revised. It's much more reflective of what's actually going on with the organization now. So one of the tabs that you reached out through was the consulting uh, training, a consultation consult for the training for healthcare providers. And this is something that's brand new. Uh, we're going to announce it at the upcoming conference. So I gave you the details because you reached out about it, but I'm announcing it at the conference, which is on May 23rd. Um, anyone who's listening, if you haven't already gotten tickets, please hurry and do so because the price is about to increase by $20. Uh, early bird sales end the month of February. So as we get closer to the date of the conference, the ticket prices are going to go up. Um, we have four, well, three speakers that aren't myself um, talking about stigma in healthcare, stigma in the therapy realm. And then we will do a data analysis on the survey responses that we got for the herpes survey that went out uh, in October of 2023, and we just closed it. And now we're taking those responses and performing a data analysis. But uh, check out the events tab as well. We have a lot of upcoming live podcasts. Um, unfortunately, our guest that was supposed to be here today was unable to make it. She uh, had bronchitis. And I told her, I was like, yo, you don't need to like try and power through talking and coughing and stuff. We can reschedule. And ironically, it was while you and I were talking on the phone, 
uh, <laughs> that she did that. And I was like, hey, what are you doing in three hours? Are you down before? So uh, with that being said, I'll stop the announcements there and just let you introduce yourself and then we'll just get started with what made you reach out. Okay. Uh, my name is Stephanie Woolsey and I'm actually a wife and mother of three sons and I'm a registered nurse. So I had actually seen um, about what you do on another ladies uh, that I'm a Facebook friend with that we we've talked and she has herpes also, and she tries to, to help people with herpes. And so it looked real interesting. So I got in and started um, looking to see, uh, looked right up my aisle to just uh, learn more. Cause I'm always trying to learn more of how I can help my own community. Yeah. I appreciate that. And <laughs> It's funny because when you reached out, I couldn't quite tell if you meant to reach out for the reason that I thought you were or if it was something else. So I'm glad that we were able to talk and identify uh, that because the training is something that's more of like a, a big organization thing. And you were reaching out about it yourself. And I was like, yeah. here's the price. And you sure you want to do this for just yeah. you? And, yeah. And you mentioned uh, like wanting to do it for the hospital. Like, mm -hmm. I guess we didn't really get to talk about that. Like what hospital do you work for? Because I thought that you were just doing this on your own and that you just wanted to be a better nurse for yourself. I know you worked at a hospital until you told me that. Yeah, well, I uh, I work at, on the float pool and my husband works there also. He's a director and it's at Columbus Regional Hospital and in, uh, Indiana. And uh, when you said that, when you were talking about organization, that was just the first thing that popped up because I was like, you know, how could I still maybe do this? And what organization could I go through? And then I was like, well, it'd be nice, you know, if we could get more hospitals involved and, you know, doctor's offices and types of that. But since I worked there, that was the first one that popped up. Yeah, uh, well, I would love that. So we can discuss, discuss, we can discuss <laughs> Uh, like further steps after we finish the recording, but this is exciting. Like I'm newly announcing that I went through the process of organizing a business plan for it. And um, I, I have a consultant and yeah, I, I feel very put together in this. It's a matter of, I don't know who's going to be the first person. I have someone else who has a lot more organizations who uh, I'm supposed to talk with this week. Uh, so we're we're actually doing this. Um, <laughs> I can't talk about the process just yet, but I can talk to you about that privately, but I won't announce yes. it on the podcast. Sure. Uh, so yeah, if that's something that you're interested in for your staff, hit me up. So you have a very interesting intersection of your work that you do because um, you also provide support to people with herpes. Can you tell me what that support is and how you got into offering support to people with herpes? Sure. I um, actually, um, I have a Facebook group called Hope and Healing for Women with Herpes that I opened up um, last year. And it was just to do that, to be able to uh, just really educate in there. I have a different module set up that they can go in and get some training like guides and then I just try to post and, and just educate on different things, um, such as dating, disclosing, uh, how to treat and prevent outbreaks um, with medication or naturally, 
just um, just trying to hit all everything. The most important thing that I try to do is just encouraging them to know that it's going to be totally fine. I've had this for 20 years and it never held me back. So I really uh, try to make that group really encouraging for him. I got this uh, exactly 20 years ago in January. Well, actually it's February now. So I got it 20 years ago in January. So I very quickly uh, became very depressed with it to the point where I spiraled downward to, I was suicidal. Thankfully I wasn't suicidal for only just a few months when I just, I just turned it all over to God and just trusted in him that he would help me through. And he did, and he just pulled me through. And, um, and then a few months later, I met my husband, we were actually working together, but we, we started dating and, uh, we now been married, we've been together 20 years and we've been married and that's sad. I think it's been, 18. He's better about keeping it. You know, it's usually the woman, but he's, the man is better about keep, for in this situation, better about keeping up with how many years we've been married. But um, and we have three sons together. So I went really thinking much more about herpes. Like, you know, I've had outbreaks here and there, you know, things that we deal with, but I just talked to my husband about it and never really um, struggled with it anymore after that, you know, initial diagnosis. And then I just, uh, for some reason last year, just felt uh, just called to go into some herpes groups and um, started like just going in and listening to what everybody was saying in there. And I was just really surprised at how many people were like me, how I was, where they were just really, you know, in that, especially initial diagnosis, uh, struggling, just depressed and uh, some even suicidal and then I thought, why well, I, I just really did not want them to feel like that, you know, this was going to hold them back because it never did me. And so I started doing Zoom calls and just, um, you know, commenting and trying to encourage them and doing one on one Zoom calls and group Zoom calls. And eventually that's what led me into doing um, my Facebook group to the point where now I'm looking at um, doing a podcast down the road and um, doing some online coaching to just really, really help, um, especially I'm more navigated towards the women, but um, even the men I'll try to encourage, but uh, just to really help them get through the stigma of, a, of you know, especially in their own mind, because sometimes I think it's more in our own mind that's holding us back than other people's. Yeah. Um, and that's the reason something positive for positive people started uh, back in 2017. Uh, I was diagnosed with herpes in 2013 and really didn't find any resources that resonated with me where I was or where I wanted to be um, for four years. And at that fourth year mark was when I found uh, the dating site for people with herpes and got on there and found community. I was dating and I noticed that there were still people who were talking about suicide ideation. People were wanting to end their lives because of their herpes diagnosis. And when I saw it enough times, I thought, you know, maybe if I just talk to some of these people and hear from their experiences and we put that out there, this will help keep other people from wanting to end their right. lives. Definitely. On to being on the right path of uh, 
starting out with, you know, seeing that there are people who are suicidal because of their diagnosis. And then for you and your experience, you know, you shared with me that you struggled with some of those thoughts as well. And it sounds like finding faith, finding God was something that helped you with getting through that stage in your life. Is that accurate? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Was, were you always a person who, a person of God or was that something well, that I had, you? yeah, I had gone to church and, you know, uh, especially as a kid, we go every week, but I had never truly trusted in God before. Or really, I think it really, I just had a hit just that um, hit bottom to feel, really finally turn to him and trust in him fully. Uh, so um, he just really just the peace and love he gave me in exchange was really what pulled me through and just pulled me out of that darkness that I felt. Did you feel like you were being punished for anything? No, I wasn't. I didn't feel punished. No, I, I know some Christians. Um, I've, I've heard that before from Christians, that, but I, I never felt that way. I didn't feel like I was being punished. I, I felt like um, I did make a mistake of being with, you know, not waiting until I was married um, you know, to have sex. Um, so I, I did feel regret in that, but I didn't really feel punished. I felt like it was just a mistake and, you know, that it was something that happened on my own terms that I had done to myself. Okay. And, uh, the reason that I ask is because I think that a lot of people want to be able to be where you are, but there's something that might be resistant to them in their relationship with God due to feeling as if they're being punished because they yeah. didn't follow everything that God said. Right. And even with that, there are times where our faith is just being challenged. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we're not presented with obstacles to overcome, uh, we can just kind of do our own thing, do what it is that we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think that it's useful for people to hear from someone who is of faith and doesn't feel punished because mm -hmm. of what they did. And there's so much of a, this space in religion and the, shame around sex because it's not really the herpes again like when you got your diagnosis you said that you know you didn't feel punished you just made a mistake right and the right. mistake i'm going to assume is that you shouldn't have been with the person you were with or you shouldn't have been with the person you were with until you were married which of those is more accurate for me it was the person i was with completely because he was not a good guy um i i think i just, uh, I was spiraling out of, I feel like in a way out of control where I was just reaching out to any guy instead of waiting and realizing my worth, realizing that I uh, deserved to wait for a good guy, a guy that would treat me well. And I was just any guy that came along who give me attention, you know, I felt like was enough. And so it was more of him that I could look back and realize he wouldn't, especially now, I would never have picked him. Now, um, you know, after I had turned to God, I really saw him more for who he was and that, you know, he actually found out later that he got 
uh, married and then left his wife and son and just totally just abandoned them completely. So, um, you know, he was that type of guy. And I, I was very thankful that that is what all I end up getting from him because, and I don't have any proof that he was the one, except for I did see a, a sore later on that, and he tried to explain it away, but I feel like, you know, it was herpes, but, um, I, you know, could have been that the woman with the son. And that was to me, I realized more long-term term of having to deal with him, you know, I was able to just let him go and be done with him. <laughs> yeah. So what was different between your decision to be with this person and to be with your now husband? Um, well, I, I did a lot of praying uh, when my husband and I were dating, asking God to show me if he was the one I should be with, uh, asking a lot more questions and making sure that we were, you know, with our faith and God and uh, just other things like, you know, what we wanted out of life if we aligned with each other and how he was treating me, um, you know, whereas so many of the guys I was with, they acted like they want to be with me, but they didn't really uh, show it. Uh, they would say it, but they would not show it. You know, they would very easily, you know, ditch me for different things. And my husband was very persistent and very, you know, wanted to be with me, you know, all the time and stuff. So um, I think it was definitely a, a big difference in their personalities and what they wanted out of life for the both of them. So what I'm hearing in this is that it wasn't that you went for the first person who accepted your herpes diagnosis and your sense of self-worth did not diminish. Mm -hmm. You were vetting for long-term partnership and you were looking for compatibility. That's what I'm hearing. Is that right? Right. Yes, completely. I, I had um, set up certain things that I wanted out of life that I had set down and really took time out and that I discussed with him to make sure he aligned with me. Yes, he was not... Uh, he was actually the first person uh, that uh, I had two guys that I dated after um, the one I never told. And we only did, went on one date and then it was my husband. And um, but I was very cautious with him. We we definitely took our time in in the dating, you know, of getting serious or um, even kissing, even, you know, something as simple as that. We I we took our time with all of it and um, just. It was definitely a, a, a different world compared to all the guys I had dated in the past. Because at that time, uh, with all the guys I dated in the past, I didn't know my own worth. And um, I, I saw myself through God's eyes and that I was worthy to be loved and to find the right one. When you say saw yourself through God's eyes, I want to... You know, I want to I want to make sure people know that this isn't like a exclusively religion episode like this is sure, sure. you're sharing that. So I, this is kind of more of a disclaimer to other people like I can navigate this conversation. I want people to hear this conversation and relate it to their own experience. So mm -hmm. when you do or don't believe in God, the common theme here is a sense of self-trust, a belief mm -hmm. in something that isn't, you know, superficial it's the belief in some type of faith or hope or trust and that things are going to be in your best interest overall if you believe that and act in accordance with that so in your case we're talking about faith we're talking about god we're talking about christianity in someone else's it would just be a sense of okay this is what i'm choosing all of my decisions need to align with that choice being a Christian has, you know, a, a textbook, a book to follow, 
And that's what your faith is in. For somebody who doesn't have that religion, it's going to be about your intention, what your choice is of outcome. So the decisions that you make either support your progression to that outcome or they don't support your progression to that outcome. And that's how I want people to listen. I don't want you to change anything that you're saying. You're doing wonderful. Like I can translate this. Uh, so I want you to continue to share. But my question for you is, uh, what does that, what does practicing faith look like to you in terms of navigating, finding a compatible partner, despite the blow to one's self-esteem after a herpes diagnosis. Like you, it's not like you just have high, a high sense of self-worth. It's that you had it, you have this thing happen to you mm -hmm. of herpes, which inherently might make a person feel like their worth is lowered, but you didn't lower it and like now, oh yeah, I have herpes, but it seemed like your faith kept you above that baseline or got you past whatever your original baseline was in order for you to be able to pursue or seek out the quality of a relationship, marriage and family that you wanted. So I guess like to more concisely ask that question, what would you say helped you keep your faith? Well, um, you know, after I was diagnosed and after I did get um, saved, I, you know, I went from where I just felt loved and I I felt this, you know, before I felt like I had to find a guy I wanted to get married. I had to have a, you know, have kids. And I felt like everything was based on if I found a man and had kids and um, afterwards, uh, I didn't feel like I needed that anymore. I didn't have to find a man. I didn't, have, you know, I was totally fine at that point being single for the rest of my life, if that's what God, you know, wanted for me, or if he wanted to send someone. So a lot of it was just putting faith and trust in that he would send me the right one. And that um, I was kind of putting it more onto what he, you know, would want for me, but um, just spending more time on other things, you know, um, you know, do going to church, but also just, you know, other hobbies of uh, taking time out for me of things that I enjoyed and not worrying so much about um, whether I would be with someone or not. I think so many times afterwards, people get so worried about the disclosure because they're so worried about whether that person was accepting them or not. And they're putting all their hope in finding someone and finding, you know, at this point, it doesn't even matter if they align with them with other things, just as long as they accept them for their diagnosis, that's all that matters to them. They don't even stop to think, well, what if this person has you know, another STD that they could give to them. Or maybe, you know, what if this person is like totally wrong for them long-term, you know, and they're going to end up in a bad marriage. They don't see anything, but they just want someone to love them so much. And um, that really was, I was able to get past that to where I was fine with not needing that love, you know, from someone else anymore. What you just described to me sounds a lot like letting go, which is uh, actually what our cohort of 20 yoga classes is going to be coming up at Something Positive for Positive People. If you visit spfpp.org slash yoga, David R. Hawkins' book, Letting Go, is literally about letting go of your emotions in regards to situations, outcomes, and like understanding them, surrendering the emotions so that we alleviate the pressure that 
attaches us to whatever the outcome might be that we want so that we're removing our resistances to getting said outcome. Um, so when you when you talked about that just now, I was like, wow, that is an, a prime example of letting go at its finest. And he even talks about how you don't have to be religious to practice this. And even in religion, you know, you're let go, let God, right? So you are putting your faith in that thing. My question to you is what does you put your faith into it, right? But what does faith in action look like? It's not like you're saying, God, send me a man if it's meant for if it's meant to be, and I'm just gonna let it go. And then you just kind of sit still. You mentioned doing other things for yourself, but um the 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 patience piece, like how do you be patient in putting your faith in something that may or may not exist, that may or may not happen. And then you navigate your day-to-day -day life. And also, you know, you still have something to do on your end in order to get those things that you want. So what did you do while faith was playing its part behind the scenes? Um, well, just learning more by, you know, the Bible and just, um, going to church, but also just learning to, um, you know, put my hope into other things also to like, you know, more my job and just the other hobbies. I wasn't just, um, waiting around. I was just, I was actually doing things. I wasn't waiting anymore for if somebody came. When you say you weren't waiting around, uh, I want to expand a little bit on that because I think that's kind of what a lot of people do. Uh, I hear from a lot of people, as I'm sure you do as well, you know, people wait on someone to come save them. And yes, somebody can come save you. But if you're drowning and you're under the water, someone who can save you may not see you. So you have to put some effort into wanting to survive, into swimming, into getting up there and asking for help. There's a lot of steps that can be taken in order to get you know, saved or supported or helped. But part of it is gonna have to be just reaching out, you know, even listening to this podcast, there might be a therapeutic component of this, but if you're just listening to podcast episodes every week, like it's been seven years now. So if you've just been listening to this podcast for seven years and you haven't taken any sort of like tangible action for getting support, getting help, for making yourself known and making it known that you do need help and that you have needs, faith without any type of action is not going to do anything for you. And anything that happens without any type of action in the direction that aligns with what your faith is, that might be something that causes you more harm if you acquire something that you are convincing yourself is for you by force rather than your faith and your actions aligning with one another. I always say, you know, challenge your beliefs with your behaviors. So a person who believes that they're not someone worth loving because of their herpes diagnosis, when you go out and you pursue relationships and you date, and then you find that there are people who care about you and love you, that directly overwrites the belief that you have about yourself. And so you've always believed yourself to be a person of faith, a woman of God, right? And so putting your faith into 
God allowed for you to lead with actions that directly align with your faith. And it sounds like that's why so soon you were able to get the outcome that you wanted rather than putting up any type of a fight between what your beliefs and your behaviors are. Is that accurate? Yes, uh -huh, definitely. Do you have anything more like to say about like that process for you? Because it seems like a hard thing, but like I could tell just by how composed you are, like you're unfazed, unchallenged, like this is how secure you are in your faith and who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just, um, it's just, it's so hard to explain, honestly. It just, um, I mean, I, I can still um, just feel that moment of after my diagnosis of when I turned to God and just the love that he surrounded me with. And I think it's that love of, and so many people think God's just this big, you know, ready to judge you and just, you know, destroy you. And that's not what I felt or experienced. It was the love and the peace and the feeling like um, everything was going to be okay. Uh, but it's, it's so hard sometimes to put it into words. Um, you know, there's, there's so many components, so many things that, you know, from that, that you can go on, but it's also, you know, I, what thing that I always teach in there, I, I do, um, you know, if people come into my group, it's not that they're going to have God shoved down their throat where, you know, I'm not that way, you know, I talk about God, you know, here and there, but so much of it is so much of the other things too, where I'm teaching them that you need to take time out, you know, if they are suicidal, do not wait you know, go to, um, call the suicide hotline. Uh, oh, go I heard that yeah. differently. If they're suicidal, don't wait. Like, hurry up and right, do right. it. No, 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 no. I'm saying I heard that wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, don't, you know, don't, you know, go call the suicide hotline, go to the emergency room to yeah. protect them so that, you know, they don't end up going through with it. So okay. I'm always teaching them not to, you know, wait, just go get help you know, so that they don't actually do something to themselves. I also always teach, you know, um, to listen to motivational speakers, to read, you know, books to help them with confidence, to um, do, which, you know, is one thing I'll, I'll be doing eventually is doing like coaching. Uh, there's so many things out there to make you a stronger person, to make you see your worth in yourself. And, um, you know, go take that trip that you've always wanted to do, make some new friends or reach out to your old friends and surround yourself with people that care about you. And uh, don't be afraid to um, talk to others about it, whether it's a counselor, a trusted family or, you know, or friend, uh, they need to talk to people and to, to help them to get through it and to take time out, not to go straight into the back into the dating world to take time out for themselves, to get themselves stronger so that when they do go back and they see their worth, they are more willing to wait for the right one. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm glad that you're not, you know, shoving religion down people's throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that you're just, you're sharing your story, you're sharing your experience and <laughs> Sending that support to people because I do believe that religion has such a bad name today uh, yeah. for reasons and you know some valid some are like come on like are y'all serious you know apply yeah, it sure, definitely that's what's so sad yeah so it's just you know apply these things because there's so many things to be learned uh what you believe in who you believe in and in acting in accordance with those beliefs by your behaviors 
you'll start to see, you know, that you get what you deserve, not maybe not what you want, but what you deserve. So if it's in alignment for you, then it's in alignment for you. And if it's not, then we have to readjust. Um, uh, I do see in conversations that I have with people who are navigating herpes stigma, there is sort of this need for permission, approval, and for someone to say that are lovable. I talk about identity validation and being able to validate one's identity being super important uh, for a person who's newly diagnosed because they don't know themselves anymore aside from their sexuality. And so now that their sexuality has been, you know, hindered due to their herpes diagnosis, their ability to connect with people, have sex, uh, have the relationship they want, they feel like they just, this is who they are now. They are this diagnosis rather than they have this diagnosis. And so I always challenge and encourage people to find out who they are outside of their sexuality. You know, and this is coming from somebody who I've had this for 11 years now, and I'm still learning who I am aside from my diagnosis, especially with this being so much of my identity, this work that I do uh, through something positive for positive people. This is a lot of who I am, but I've, you know, made it a point to, uh, you know, I believe in what I do. I believe in who I am but I also make space for doing other things. I enjoy watching anime and attending Comic-Con conventions. I practice yoga. I do enjoy podcasting. I like a lot of self-help and learning about psychology. I enjoy rap battles. I like cooking my own food. I enjoy working out. There's a lot of things there that have nothing to do with sex and sexuality that people can begin to get into in order to validate their identity. And in doing so, we make herpes, we minimize herpes stigma. And that's because we're prioritizing these other more important, more valuable aspects of our lives. Now, you know, if your sex and sexuality is something that you prioritize, understand that there are still other things that need to be prioritized as well in your being as a human. So, that's you know sort of my overall message here. And I would like to give you space to share any closing remarks that you might have um, or how and how people can get in contact with you. Okay. Yes, I um, do have a website that I actually do blogging and um, tell my story. And it also is where you can find my Facebook group. Hope and Healing for Women with Herpes. And also it's um, Stephanie Woolsey. Um, and it's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, Woolsey, W-O-O-L-S-E-Y. And it should pop up pretty quick because uh, there's not uh, probably a lot of Stephanie's out there talking about herpes. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm here. Is that dot com? Yeah, dot com. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to I'll link oh, to that notes as well. Okay. Like I, Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I love to do zoom calls. Um, I'm working on a course right now, how to live with herpes. So it'll talk about all the different things, disclosing and all I do it right now. I do one-on-ones and I do group zoom calls for free just to help people pull through, especially the ones who are struggling. Um, but I do it twice a week in my group, uh, in my Facebook group, uh, the zoom calls. I always notify everybody in there when I'm doing one, but also, you know, if someone's really struggling, just needs to talk, I love to encourage and just uh, share my story and just um, 
just talk people through what they're experiencing so that they can see there is hope on the other side and this will not ever hold them back. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, so www.stephaniewoolsey.com and I'll link to that because it, it you may not spell it right the first time. All right. Um, <laughs> your group is called Hope and Herpes. Is that what the group is called? Uh, yeah, Hope and Healing for Women with Herpes. And Healing for Women with Herpes. Got it. All right. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with before I close out and let you go? Nope. That was it. All Just right. And whoever needs me. Okay, great. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. You said free coaching and group call. So that's what we're going to say. All right. <laughs> um, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast and leave a comment under the episode if you enjoyed this, please. Uh, we have the conference coming up May 23rd, 2024. This is on a Thursday all day from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. Tickets are on sale right now for $55. This is the early bird. If you are someone who wants to sponsor us for the podcast, and uh, please let me know. You can reach out to me directly, Courtney at SPFPP.org. Uh, go to the website, browse around. All of our services offerings are on the page. We are pushing out some programs that we're seeking sponsors for as well. There's an upcoming workshop series, the survey data that came in. We're going to be distributing these to healthcare professionals people who are looking to disclose as well as people who are disclosed too. So that's three different opportunities to have your organization affiliated with these handouts that are going to be literally distributed everywhere. Um, podcast series on specific topics, the Q and a open advice podcast episodes will be launching monthly. The yoga series I mentioned that starts this March, uh, we are trying to get as many people in as we can by February 10th so that we can lock in the schedule in accordance with what people vote on as their best availability so that we can have a lot of live participation. All you have to do is visit spfpp.org yoga. And then once you become a member, you'll be uh, given access to um, the group the the yoga classes themselves as well as the schedule and we have live events live podcast recordings virtually and in person please if you see us in your area hit me up uh i am also in the process of making the move for something positive for positive people onto the east coast so uh, i'm looking to build community out in new york so if you're someone who wants to get involved uh i am going to be hosting more in-person events out that way uh, to secure more of a sex positive-ish. Uh, I don't really like sex positive itself as a word, but more of like a stigma-free community, if you will, that is willing to, you know, advocate and is willing to, you know, be at a higher level of their own diagnosis and being willing and able to offer support to people and make herpes stigma irrelevant and make community more relevant than that so that we can just coexist and enjoy our lives, right? So I believe that that at this point is everything. I mentioned that Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting individuals living with herpes using holistic approaches. We focus on navigating the complexities of stigma and relationships associated with the virus. And our mission is to provide stigma-free communication skills and other resources to sexual health providers, service providers, including therapists, nurses, sex educators, and public health professionals. We advocate for the integration of the experiences of those living 
living with herpes into broader sex education and STD prevention efforts, ensuring a comprehensive and empathetic approach to sexual health and wellness. Till next time.